This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 5th, episode 2675, brought to you today by Stateline Tech. Good morning, horse people. It's Wednesday morning. That means Jamie and Glenn are back to talk horses with all of you. Well, let's be honest. Jamie talks horses. Glenn is just here to hassle Jamie. Enjoy the show. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday morning. We had one of the biggest breaking stories ever in the horse world yesterday. Well, at least involving money. Uh, the remember we talked about the fact that the Four Sixes Ranch in Texas, the two hundred sixty-six thousand acres, was for sale for the first time in its history. Yes, that the owner had died, and she—I don't know why she left it in the will that was supposed to be sold, but maybe she didn't like her kids. I don't know. Yeah, uh, get it, get the kids out of there. Take <laughs> I don't know what the story was, but well, the kids aren't complaining because it was sold. Um, now they were asking three hundred forty-seven million for this. It it. It uh, goes over four counties. That's how big this is. And they've been a ranching operation forever and ever and ever. Well, have you ever watched the series Yellowstone? I saw some of the first season, and I love Kevin Costner on the back of a horse. Nothing makes me happier, but the show was so stressful. <laughs> well, I think that was the idea, right? Um, I never have seen it, but uh, Taylor Sheridan apparently is the screenwriter and producer of that show. And the rumor has it, and apparently it's a pretty strong rumor now, the rumor has it that he is the front man for the buyers of this property and that they used the property in the filming of Yellowstone, which would kind of make sense. It's kind of loosely based on it, I think. I thought they were in Wyoming in the show, though. Well, they would go down there and film, apparently. So, okay. You know, so you know how they do that. Make it all look like it's the same place and it's three different places. Uh, so this is what it this is what the quote from one of the people involved in this whole situation says Sheridan is the face of the buyer group. It's all one deal, 266,000 acres with all three ranches, cattle, horses, equipment, furnishing, brand name, cowboys, everything. And apparently they're saying they're going to keep it as a ranch. They're not going to develop it. They're going to keep it as a ranch. And uh, it was also announced that the, the fourth season of Yellowstone was renewed, but they're also doing a spinoff based on the four sixes storyline. So there's apparently a spinoff. I see this. They may keep it as a working ranch, but how many Westerns are going to be made at this ranch now? Do you think that all, all filming of Westerns are going to Texas? <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame them. I mean, my God, they're probably already in Texas anyway. Do they make that much money doing TV that they can spend $347 million on a ranch? I don't know. Did they go in it with their friends? All uh, their buddies? Well, it says like, a hey. buyer group. Okay. So it might be a bunch of rich, uh, you know, maybe Kevin Costner's in on the deal. I mean, that guy could afford it. <laughs> We'll take two. That's incredible money. I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, it's incredible land. How do you take care of 266,000 acres? Can you imagine checking the fences every day on that property? No. Oh my God. <laughs> well, coming up on today's show, first of all, for all of you that have been waiting since Monday, uh, later on in the show, we are going to talk about how Zeus made out with his full body scan uh, electrode. Lameness locator. What, lameness locator scan at the hospital, which cost Jamie about $18,000. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out how much it costs <laughs> and, uh, and how, how Zeus made out. I don't even know. I'm excited to hear. We'll do that a little later in the show. We first have Canadian Olympian Jessica Phoenix is joining us to celebrate being, get this, only one of 17 adventures in the world to have 100 four-star event starts. So she has ridden in 100 four-star events. Plus, Steve Krause is joining us. He's the head farrier of services at Cornell University. He's going to explain what is hoof wall flare, which I don't even know. Or hoof wall flare. Either one, whatever it is. I don't have no idea. And apparently you have some weird news, too. Uh, also, hang around in the uh, auditor post show. Uh, I have a little story about dogs. We'll be talking about that. 
because I can't talk about it in the regular show. So here's the Daily Winnie. And my Daily Winnie, of course, is one of these. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy, happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, we have some auditors with birthdays today. Christy Youngblood, Richard Alvey, Colleen Lapp, and a very special birthday. It's, it's my dog Pickle's second birthday today. And we know that because we have her papers. So happy birthday to Pickles. She's right over here helping me do the show. So, uh, yeah, I, I the only reason we knew that and remembered that, because we're bad dog parents, is that the veterinary uh, or the vet emailed us and said happy birthday to Pickles. <laughs> that's, that's how we knew it was the vet office. I posted it on my work Facebook page yesterday, which is the Flyover Farm Facebook page. Um, yesterday, Whiskey graduated. Now, for those who've been following along with Whiskey's the liquid or saga, is that a horse? Whiskey is a horse that came to me for training about five weeks ago. And she's 12 years old and the owner had got her from a rescue and wanted to get her started under saddle at 12 years old. So... What I determined was that Whiskey has spent her entire 12 years telling humans what to do and where to go. And so she became a horse. She began as a horse that you couldn't catch. You couldn't halt her. You couldn't touch her ears. You couldn't lead her. Like she had very strong opinions on everything. And this is a horse that, thank goodness, she didn't send her to somebody who was going to manhandle her because this is a horse that you needed to convince her not to do something, but to want to do something. And so within five weeks, she's now so sort of like training your spouse. Uh, yes, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you got to take that finesse to it, you know? Um, so in five weeks, she came out yesterday, the owner did, and was able to ride her. You could, she meets you at the gate. She lowers her head for the bridle. Actually, I realized at some point she's pretty uncomfortable in her mouth. So she's getting ridden in the dually halter. So she puts her head down. You can mess with her ears. You can lead her around. She leads like a perfect angel. She does all the things you want to do. And her owner was able to get on her and ride her around yesterday. And, um, I, I think that, as far as challenging horses go, she's probably one of the harder ones that I've ever had. Not to mention she's like 13 too and built like a tank. I saw the uh, picture. So, she is built like a tank. Yeah. So <laughs> I think like a she's, draft she's horse. A, a reservation <laughs> horse, like a, just a, a wildling basically um, with no d actual guess of what her breeding is. Uh, so, so she's, uh, she went home yesterday and I, I was like super sad, but I was also super excited, but I think they're going to keep coming back for lessons. She lives about three hours from here. So she was able to come and get her and see what we did and all the things. And I'm just really pleased. Congratulations, whiskey and your mama, what, Amy. I'm was she excited. tougher to get join up done in the beginning? The join up part was actually, I, I mean, that's the breakthrough right. of the whole thing is to get her to want to be with you. Well, that's why and I asked that because of what you yeah. said. Yeah. If you can get a horse to want to be with you, it's easier to do all the things. What was really challenging with whiskey is once you get on her or, well, she came to me, she's like, I've sat on her four times, but she won't turn. It's like, Oh, okay. So she won't turn. So when you would go to, even in the halter, go to turn her, pull her like towards you or something, she would take her head and rip it the other direction. And she did that on the rain, in the rains as well. So I long lined her a lot. We went everywhere, just working on going and stopping and turning. And that's kind of where they have to start. I believe Buck the Bear rode her first and she didn't buck. It turns out she's really actually really good at conserving energy energy. She would just like to stand there and not be told anything. Uh, so getting her to go and so it is like most husbands this. then, uh, is what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Just lazy. Just wants to sit there and eat. <laughs> um, you said it. Not me. I did. I was the one that said it. I would so prefer I'm, to just stand still and not do much except eat. I would like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. That's a good life. Um, but, but, uh, 
sorry, whiskey, you have to actually have a job. Um, so really excited that she was able to do all of that. I'm, I'm, it was one of those, like, just, I poured a lot of time into this horse. Um, you know, I post video clips for the owners of the horses every single day of them doing something. But if I filmed all of it, I can't upload eight hours of video a day. Like I spent so much time with this horse. So I'm really pleased at how well it turned out. So I wanted to give, uh, Whiskey and Amy, my daily Winnie, for trusting me and for doing what you're supposed to do. It's awesome. But, but again, very big challenge. Whiskey has to be in the top 10 names for all Western horses. It's good. Well, be. she is a filly, a, a mare. So her actual name, now mind you, she's like a reservation pony and she got her from a rescue for like 100 bucks. Uh, her name is Whiskey Willow, Glenn. Whiskey. And so Willow. I didn't know whether to call her Whiskey or Willow. So I just, <laughs> call her whiskey. Well, I, I, looking at saddlebox.net, uh, the top names for horses, uh, and I don't know where the heck they got these from, but uh, Whiskey would be number 17 on that list. Okay, well, that sounds about right, because that's what you want to drink after you mess with her. <laughs> so there was some whiskey involved. I was right. There might have been a little whiskey involved. <laughs> and I know how you train. It's always after. At the, after you're done, that's when the whiskey Oh, yeah. No, no, no. If I drink before I train, I lose all motivation, just like you. I just want to sit there and eat. <laughs> well, we're going to have Jessica Phoenix on here uh, in just a second. But first, I wanted to tell everybody about StatelineTac.com. They're highlighting their Western boots now. And I, first of all, there are a lot of types of Western boots. There are 565 entries for Western boots. How can you design that many Western boots? But they're That's all different. I, I do love, uh, ever since I got the belt buckle, you know, I had oh, to like... Oh, you got to have Western boots and a hat now. I can yeah. buy Western boots. I can't I can't do the hat yet. I'm kind of a ponytail through the back of the ball cap kind of girl. I could cut uh, a hole in the back of the hat. We could make that work. Oh, yeah. That's a really popular <laughs> thing to do. No. Do, do you, you own Western boots, like one pair, right? I own a pair of Ariat like real boots that I don't wear to the barn. I just wear the like cute, you know, yeah, and they have like yeah. some pink on the sides and they're really cute. But I use my Ariat fat babies for everything. I love those boots. I have a Do they pair count as Western boots? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> they're like, yeah, I can't stand pointy toes, but the, you can get the fat babies fat in babies. here too, by the way. <laughs> Oh, yeah. State line tack, fat babies. That's where I got mine. So There yeah, are tie-dyed I, Western boots. Get that. Uh, tie-dyed ones. There are every design in the, in the world, every color in the world. Pink seems to be in. There's a lot of pink cowboy boots right now. God, uh, I love and, these square toe tie-dyed boots. But the thing is, like, the tops of the boots are always super decorated, and you wear your pants over them. So it's like, who gets to see I them? I think that However, depends on where you live. Apparently, this we went through this when we went to uh, Road to the Horse. I had this whole conversation with Tara, who's our Western uh, authority, on whether you have the pants over the boots or in the boots. And apparently, it depends on what location you're from, which is which. Oh, well, I don't know any. What of is that, it in Oklahoma? Is it over the boots in Oklahoma? I don't know. I mean, I'm going to take I'm, note of that. We'll have to. You'll have to start noticing where they have their boots. I will. I think Taylor Swift made it pop popular to tuck the pants in because, like, you wear like skinny jeans and then tall. I'm sure boots. all these Western cowboys took their fashion sense from Taylor Swift. Um, Obviously, <laughs> if they're smart, they would. Um, but then I just saw these Tin Hall Ladies Man Eater Square Toe Boots, and do you see these on the? They're on the first page. It looks like the the whole foot of the boot, which would be outside of the jeans, if you the jeans went over, it looks like a like a dragon that's going to eat. You're right. <laughs> They're called man eater square toes. I think I need those. So you definitely Mother's need a, a, up. a boot that's me. called a man eater. That's perfect. <laughs> or that's a Chad. <laughs> Chad will never know what it actually means. All right. You can find all of that and uh, 564 Shark. others at uh, statelinetech.com. Go there today. Now it's uh, Jessica Phoenix's turn. She's two-time Olympian, five-time Pan American Games medalist. She rides for Canada, and now she is one of 17 eventers in the world that has had 100 four-star starts. That's pretty incredible. She rode a couple of weekends ago in Kentucky as well. She rode three different horses, and she came in eighth 
10th and 11th. So she did pretty well and rode, I think, all of those in the rain in cross country. So, do you realize there was only a 52% completion rate in cross country that day? I knew it was low. I didn't think it was that low. It was, it was a bloodbath. <laughs> Let's get Jessica on. Well, hi, Jess. Thank you so much for stopping by this morning. Absolutely. It's so good to speak with you guys. Now, congratulations, girl. A hundred four-star starts puts you as one of 17 eventers in the world crazy enough or stupid enough to do that. So congratulations. <laughs> I got to tell you, you, I read that headline, and do you know what I immediately thought is, oh, my God, I'm tired reading that. That's exhausting. <laughs> she has blisters everywhere. <laughs> oh, it's so funny because, honestly, it was not even on my register. Like, I did not even think about that ever. And then when I read that highlight, I was like, oh my gosh. And then you start thinking back about all the incredible horses that you've been able to ride over the years and like, what an incredible accomplishment. Yeah. For the horses and you, I mean, both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's incredible. I wanted to ask that, and and you you segued right into it perfectly. When you were thinking of those horses and those incredible rides, what what are some of the ones that, that popped into your head? Honestly, I just started thinking about the quality of horses that I've been able to ride. And then as you start going through each horse, having those special moments and those special bonds and like being able to produce horses from the ground up to four and five star level is like just such an incredible experience. And really the thing that sticks out in my mind is when you get them, you always remember what they're like to start and then to have them reach that level, like, like just it's incredible. It's such a journey with all of them. Speaking of journeys, you came down to Kentucky and rode what three horses there, including Pavarotti, who who is a, a young nineteen years old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you must have ridden them all in the rain then on cross country day. Were you in the four star? I was in the four star, and that was quite the weather day. I've <laughs> uh, I can honestly say I've never ridden a course that felt differently on three different horses in one day. Um, the weather just played such such a role in the, the footing and how the course rode. And each horse that I went out on, it got progressively harder. Um, so yeah, the weather definitely played a huge role. I bet. And the other thing that played a huge role, and this is an amazing part of this story that I don't think a lot was focused on, especially in the coverage I saw, was that you you obviously were locked into Canada. They weren't letting you out for a long time. Um, and yep. then you came down. Was this their, all three of the horses, was this their first event of the year? It was, yes. So the, How do you do that, Jess? A four-star. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that is a testament to the team that I work with. Um our staff in Canada, our farriers, our vets, our coaching, um, all of it has just, you know, led to us being able to produce them and be really well prepared. And to have all three finish in the top 11 is like just a testament to the work that we, we put in all winter. So I'm really grateful for that. Aren't you somewhat limited to what work you can put in in the winter? You have an indoor, but I mean, you can't do cross country in the indoor. Yeah. So honestly, it was probably the middle, I guess the beginning of March and we were blessed with an early spring. And as soon as I saw the snow leave, I entered Kentucky. (laughs) I thought there could be a chance that I could get on the hills and start galloping. And these horses could be fit to do Kentucky. Um, and yeah, it was amazing. It was a dry spring. Um, the hills really like we have a great farm with a lot of hills so we can get on them very early in the season. And then our cross country course at home is pretty stellar for producing them to whatever level. Um, we have kind of three different coffin features and a water jump and just the way we can, um, set the fences is, you know, it makes it possible to, um, produce them at that level. Okay. But that's the horses. How about you? I, I, I've always wanted to ask a professional rider this, and I know you're in shape and all that, and you ride a lot of horses every day, but do you ever get to the point where you're like, I can't ride today? Uh, you know, I'm just done. No. No. I never get to that point. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Every morning when I wake up, I am so excited to get to the barn and get on the horses and just see what they're going to learn that day. And Please tell me you get a little sore, Jess. Tell everybody that you get a little uh, sore. Make them all feel better, okay? 
You know, the worst part is when you have to ride dressage all day long. That is the hardest <laughs> on the body, for sure. Yeah. That's uh, yeah, that's the true eventer right there. Thought, but <laughs> yeah, the the jumping is like very easy on my body and the eventing is um like going cross country. I could do that all day long. It I don't know. I guess it's just the way I was born. <laughs> <laughs> so Pavarotti, let's get back to Pavarotti. 19-year-old Westphalian won five Pan Am medals over three consecutive games. Yep. Uh, what What's going to happen to Pavarotti now? What, what What's he do? Okay, so we are going to go do the four-star short at Bromont. And I would say he's probably one of my um, top horses for Tokyo. It's really? The yeah. one, yeah, the one event that we... Um, haven't been able to do um, is an Olympic Games with Pavarotti, and it would just be be pretty incredible. He really feels like he's peaking at the at the young age of nineteen. <laughs> That'd be a that's story a for the Olympics, though. huh? But, but that's a testament yeah. to how well you've taken care of him and your staff. Like you were saying, your staff. I mean, to keep a horse sound and healthy and happy and loving his job—that is a—that yeah. is cheers to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it truly does feel like an accomplishment, um, especially like when we got to Kentucky and it was his first event of the year and he was so excited for all three phases, like cross country day. He thought that was Christmas morning. Like he wanted to open mm-hmm. every present all at once. <laughs> 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 and it's just such a joy to feel the horses love it as much as you do. How weird was Kentucky this year for you as a rider? Um, you know what, as a rider, you really get in the zone. So as soon as you're on the horse, it didn't feel any different. Um, like when you go down the center line at Kentucky and you're in that big ring, uh, there's no better feeling. And the same when you leave the start box, like even when there's huge crowds, like as an athlete, horse and rider, you go tunnel vision. Like when you leave the start box, you don't see the people. Like it just seems like as if there were no one there. So from a riding point of view in competition, it didn't change that much, but, um, you know, on a personal level, you definitely miss the experience of the trade fair and all of the fans and stopping and talking with people and seeing everybody smiles. And like when they say it is the best weekend all year, they, they are right. And that was something that truly was missed. Like just having the fans there. I didn't get my Jessica hug. I've been getting a hug for the last 12 years. And, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's the worst. COVID needs to hurry up and finish. <laughs> I think we'll be back next year. We'll all be back next year. You probably save yeah. money shopping, though. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as you know, we love you. We're going to follow you. I hope we get to talk to you again when you've been selected for the team, which I assume will be coming up in the next month or two here. Or it's got to. Yes. <laughs> Olympics is coming. Yes. So, um, and I hope Tokyo you make the is team. Coming, yeah. so. <laughs> Thank so, you so much, Glenn. It'd be so much fun to watch you and Pravarati out there doing that. That'd be a great story. Yeah. I'll be in trouble if I don't mention this. You have a book. It's called... I do, yes. <laughs> it's called Rise, the Jessica Phoenix Story. You can... Fi- uh, I'll put a link in the show notes where you can find it. Um, but I think the book's been doing pretty well, and uh, congratulations on that, too. Is there a second one coming out after you win the Olympics? There will be a second one coming out. Um, and the awesome thing with the book right now is that we have a promotion on. So if you're... If you're able to buy um, more than five books, you get them at 50% off, and it's to encourage book clubs. Oh, cool. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah, so there's a great, great promotion on right now. So, yep, get those books. All right, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's called Rise, the Jessica Phoenix Story. It's a great book. I got one. I may have gotten one of the first copies before they were sent out. I think you did. I think. Bragger. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jess. We'll see you. <laughs> okay. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Well, there you go. We've uh, known her forever and ever. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Equiderma. Equiderma wound ointment is a must-have in your medicine cabinet. It visibly amplifies wound healing, stops proud flesh from developing, minimizes scarring, reduces pain, and keeps flies out of wounds. You will find that with consistent use, you'll see a noticeable progression of steady healing every day. Plus, it's a great treatment regimen for common skin rashes and sores, and we don't get any of those in Florida. You can find them all at equidermaproducts.com or equiderma.com. All the products are there, the fly spray, which we use, and all of them are there. Equiderma. 
dot. You know um, that 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 hot sauce called Frank's, and yes. the commercial yes. is that old lady that's like, I put that S on everything. Yes. <laughs> that's what I do with Equiderma wound ointment. I put that S on everything, and it does keep the flies. That is crazy. We have that's crazy. I don't know about you right now, but we got the. Little nasty biting flies have come out. Oh my god! I was getting eaten alive yesterday, and the, my poor pony is welts all over. Little, the Ugh. line on their belly always gets picked at. I put that s on everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's uh, that should be their new tagline. Put that s on everything. <laughs> I'll recommend that. Uh, Equiderma wound ointment is where you can find it. Equiderma dot com. And now it's time for our health segment today. It's time for the horses in the morning horse health report. When our intrepid hosts, together with an unlucky member of the equine veterinary trade, attempt to inform, enlighten, or terrify horse owners everywhere into funding a Kickstarter campaign to mass-produce Kevlar-coated, bubble-wrap-lined equine products. It's time to welcome to the show Steve Krause, certified journeyman farrier and head of farrier services at Cornell University. This man has forgotten more about hooves than anybody will ever learn. Hi, Steve. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. How are things in, at, at Cornell? Well, you know, we're, it, uh, spring is here. It's a little rainy here today, but, you know, every, the flowers are blooming, the grass is growing. And the horses are, you know, coming out of the winter, you know, uh, hold back that there's been. So <laughs> things are pretty busy. Yeah. Fresh grass is growing. That means you're going to see some laminitis this spring. So that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. That's always exciting. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> we live in a place, I'm in a, I'm in a situation where you never, it's like Forrest Gump and the box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yes. That's like walking to my barn every day, too. So we're going to talk a little bit about hoof wall flare. And it's okay. interesting because this is something that I dealt with with my last Mustang that I had was it did not matter what we did. He ended up with a hoof a flare in his hoof wall. So tell us what that is. Well, the, the flare is a result of of physics at work, basically. Um, most flares, and not every flare falls into this, but I would say that the simple version is, is if you have a, a, a balloon on a table and you push down on the center of it, both sides bulge out. If you can rotate a little bit or move your finger and push on one side, you can see one side flaring sideways and the other side straightening up. So that's what's going on in a horse's foot. So it's a conformational issue. So if the if the legs aren't reasonably plumb, the weight coming down from the shoulder or or the the hip comes down through the leg, the cannon bone, and then pushes on one side of the hoof or or, or the other. So a, a flare to the outside, we call that a lateral flare, and a flare to the inside is a medial flare. And so a lateral flare is usually the horse is a little base wide or rotated outward. And an inside medial flare is a horse that's slightly you know, inside himself, either towed in or base narrow. So does that make sense? It absolutely does. Yes. Uh, so uh, on a horse that has these flares, it seems like that sounds like nature trying to help them out, balance their confirmation, or is it something that gets in the way and causes problems? Something that gets in the way. This is not, um, well, it could, you could say it's natural because the horse is born with it. And it wasn't corrected, um, but it's uh, as far as the horse surviving with it, the horse can survive with it pretty well. Can the horse function in athletic work with that? That's when we start having problems because we're asking the horse to work harder than he would if he was, you know, just uh, grazing and doing very little else. So uh, there is a report from the American Farriers Journal that I helped them with quite a few years ago called the Assateague Island uh, Ponies. And it's available through the American Farriers Journal. And, and they, what they did was they um, had a lot of the horses that died of natural causes on Assateague Island. They're all, you know, wild pony type horses. Mm-hmm. And they collected them up and they uh, sectioned their legs. And, and, and not a straight-legged horse amongst these horses, but many of them lived 20, 22 years old, whatever. And uh, they sectioned the legs and took all these beautiful photographs, which they sent me. So I could comment on all the pathology that was occurring in the joints and so on. And it was amazing how much pathology over time 
occurs when joints are um, unevenly loaded. Interesting. So, so the flare that is on the hoof, you find it's better to remove that than to let yeah. it happen. Yes. Cause that's leverage and that that's kinking the, the coffin joint and the fetlock joint in one direction or another. So if you take a, a straight on what we call a dorsal palmer radiograph, you would see the joint being compressed before that flare is trimmed off. Okay. Okay. So is it a result of somebody not doing enough hoof care or is it just something that every six weeks, five weeks needs to be taken care of? Well, uh, once we get into the mature horse and we're talking, um, you know, I don't mean mature, like in five or six years old, but you know, the horse's bones are pretty much set. Um, the window closes of changing anything in the leg. Mm-hmm. So under a year, we have times, the lower, the lower it is on the leg, the quicker we have to do things to, you know, modify that growth. And so once we have the more mature horse, that is everything is set the way it's going to be. Now, all we can do is manage the hoof itself, either with frequent trimming, uh, in some cases with, you know, shoe modifications, we might roll a, a shoe in the direction of the flare to reduce the leverage. We, you know, we grind off or you know, the outside of that, uh, you know, area, or we might put some metal where the foot isn't to give the horse a little more support that he's lacking. Um, and again, that depends upon the work the horse is doing and, um, you know, what we're trying to help the horse with, but we'd like the horse to bear weight evenly and not hit one side, then load the other, which is like a, if a horse is flared to the outside toe, which is fairly common, they hit that outside toe first, and then they load on the inside heel, which is not good for the leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm, 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 I'm horse shopping and I see a, a horse that has some flares on say the hind legs or air front legs for that matter. Um, is this something that I should walk away from, or is it something we can manage and keep the horse happy and healthy and in a career? So keep in mind that there's no such thing as a perfect horse. Yes, there is. And Steve, I want to know. <laughs> well, everybody owns a perfect horse, but then they bring <laughs> them to me and we talk about what I'm seeing. Right. Um, so, um, and we're talking about conformational deviations. And if it's a real deformity, that should be jumping right out at you, like a leg that's really twisted or a misaligned cannon bone to the horse's knee. That's stuff I would stay away from. Uh, if you have a, a cannon bone that's outside the knee and the, the toe, you know, you can see the inside toe is pointing, you know, medially, you know, that you're going to have problems if that horse is in any reasonable amount of work. So I think of these things as mild, moderate, severe, mild, slight deviations are in the normal range. And we can take care of this with proper frequent trimming and, and, the, and proper shoeing if, if, if the horse is in that kind of work. And then as we get into moderate, here's where we have to be a little trickier. And the person you get to do this work has to be not shoeing the horse in a generic way, but doing something to compensate. Um, and, and if everything else about the horse is good and you have a way to manage these problems, then, okay, that's what farriers do. We manage these conformational problems with shoe modifications and, and proper trimming and so on. And then as you get abnormalities that are, you know, beyond the moderate range and severe, those are the ones, you know, that are jumping out at you. And you should just say, okay, I don't, I don't care who this stallion is. I don't care how much money this horse has won or whatever. This is a problem that is very hard to manage if it can be managed at all. That's it's amazing. Now, uh, for those who are listening and are super interested in everything you're saying, much like me, who uh, maybe have a desire to go on and learn to be a farrier, you guys at Cornell do farrier courses. Uh, I think you've got a yes. short course in the advanced course. Tell everybody a little bit about that and how they can get involved. Well, we have the 16-week um, uh, farrier course, and we you know, prefer people to have course experience, of course, and maybe ride along farrier experience so they know what they're getting into. And then quite often we find or they find people to work for. The advanced course is for people who have been to other schools and then want to learn some specialty stuff or get ready for American Farriers Association certification tests. So they come here to kind of get, you know, tuned up. Another thing people can look at, if they go on the um, 
um, American Farriers, I'm sorry, the American Farriers Journal website, I have a bunch of uh, videos that I've done and they have uh, a way that you can access those videos on confirmation and the problems it causes and what we can do. So that's also, I'm putting in a plug to the American Farriers Journal here, but they have a really great website where people can go on and I think you might have to pay something for it, but it's really lots of, not only myself, but lots of other world-renowned farriers are on there. How, um, now that it's spring and you're starting to see a thaw, are you able to get out there and play some polo? We're actually um, uh, getting our outdoor polo horses going right now. I know I've been on mine, and um, I've kind of cut down on the amount of horses I've had, but so it's easier now to get them going. And we (laughs) plan on playing outdoor polo on the grass by the end of this month. Oh, my gosh, that's so exciting. Well, make sure you post some pictures. We'd love to see it. And, uh, yeah, this guy, this guy, Steve, he, he not only sits under him, he sits on top of him as well. So uh, might, you're, might you're as well, you know, get my money's <laughs> worth out of these animals. <laughs> Fantastic. You can find more about uh, Steve at vetcornell.edu, uh, and you can look him up in the uh, College of Veterinary Medicine part of it. And, uh, Steve, as always, thank you so much for joining us, and um, have a great Gosh, I can't wait for that first uh, first match. So good luck. All right. Well, always, always great to talk to you. And, um, uh, you know, I'm always here for you guys if you need anything. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. I love that. Get your okay. money's worth out of them. Sit on them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bye, Steve. Bye, Steve. Okay. Thanks. Good. See you. Well, you know, I, uh, we have a show. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't play this little promo right now. Have you ever wondered how to keep your horse sound and how to prevent future lameness issues? Have you had to deal with abscesses, stone bruises, laminitis, navicular, or soft tissue damage in the hoof capsule? Or maybe you're a farrier and you want to learn how top vets around the world diagnose and treat various hoof care issues. The Humble Hoof is a podcast for both owners and professionals discussing the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Check us out, published twice a month on Horse Radio Network. And we're going to talk about Zeus here in just a minute, but I think we have some weird news first, right? Yes. Time to learn why some days you're embarrassed to be part of the human race in Jamie's Weird News. I said yes in such a salty way because two of the stories, (laughs) two, are from Norman, Oklahoma. (laughs) You mean Florida's fair this time? I, I, I can't promise that. I don't know yet because um, these news stories were sent to me by Andrew, Laureen, Alicia, Mary, Danielle, and Kim. Although, Kim, yours is so disturbing. I can't do it on the show. Uh, <laughs> um, Glenn won't let me talk about people who died <laughs> in the weird news, even though it's a weird death. So uh, we're going to move past Kim's. I don't want to know where you're getting your your news girl. Uh, so Glenn, you sent me this one. And remember, if you guys come across a weird news story and you're like, wow, you read it. You're like, that's really weird. Email it to me, Jamie at horseradionetwork.com, And in the subject line, put weird news. And if you're like Glenn, you'll misspell weird. Uh, for some reason you can't spell it the correct way, <laughs> but just put weird news in the subject line. And uh, I get, we'll get it right to half it. the time. Ha- mm, I'm going to go with t- I'm going to go with 8%. Well, no, I get it right half the time because I noticed that the spell checker is correcting it half the time. Oh, maybe that's it. (laughs) Just half the time. Now, you sent me a news story about a a, a woman from Norman, Oklahoma, which is the little town I'm in right now, is facing felony embezzlement charges. And she's. you said she's had trouble getting jobs and she didn't know about this felony embezzlement. So she figures out... Uh, she learned about the charges when trying to change her name on a license after getting married in Texas. What the heck did she have felony embezzlement charges for Glenn? Uh, she rented a VHS tape about 25 years ago and never returned it. And they apparently, what was the place called? Uh, it was rented at the movie place in Norman, Oklahoma. And it, it's like the article says, which is no longer open. No kidding. <laughs> so there's no movie places open. Uh, and the business closed down in 2008, but they apparently they had a spat of time there where they were filing charges for people against people who were renting movies and not returning them. 
So this is 25 years. I mean, you think years. they give her a call or something. <laughs> 25 years, and it's felony embezzlement. So this is, when you ran a background check on her criminal background, she didn't know it because she never ran a, who runs criminal background checks on themselves, right? It, it, it actually said felony embezzlement on her background. So did when she, she find it and did she turn it back in? Well, she went to get a license and the license people said, you have to call the district attorney's office. And she's like, what? You know, that would make your heart stop. Right. So she calls the district attorney's office and they they uh, they looked into it and they did decide that they were going to drop the charge. But do you have any guess? This just puts an exclamation point on this story. Any guess what the movie was? No, I don't have a guess. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> oh, it wasn't even for a good one? <laughs> she said she had kids then, you know, teenagers. Who, if this is a, I must have 30 felony charges on me because I probably haven't returned library books or video cassettes. <laughs> it's a good years. thing you're self-employed. <laughs> There you go. I mean, it says the news story is like we reached out to the Cleveland County District's Attorney Office on Tuesday. I live in Cleveland County. <laughs> I'm in Cleveland County right now. You've moved several times, though, so whatever videotapes you didn't return, it's probably in a different state. So you're probably yeah. yeah Georgia. They are dropping I'm the charges down in Georgia. So, uh, it'll come um, off a record. <laughs> now we're gonna we're gonna. Oh God, this hurts. We're gonna move to um, down the street, still in Norman. <laughs> Your turn. Oklahoma. <laughs> God, Madison, uh, bless her heart. She needed to move up to Arkansas. Uh, yeah, Arkansas, I like to call it. Arkansas. And uh, she needed a apartment. So she finds online a two-bedroom apartment and rents it. She she They send her the paperwork. She kind of signs it, whatever. And she rents the apartment. She moves in. And she's been there about a week and she started to look around at all her neighbors that she would see periodically. And they were all old. (laughs) Like they're all like old people. Well, this is just, I gotta, I kind of want to smack her because like, (laughs) what is wrong with you? It took a week to realize that she moved into a senior citizen apartment complex. That's right. She's 19 years old. <laughs> she said, whenever I got home, it was super quiet. And now I realize it's because most of my neighbors are asleep by the time I get home. <laughs> I can also, she said, a major perk is she can play loud music whenever she wants because most of them can't even hear it. <laughs> I'm surprised they let her rent there. <laughs> I'm sure that, yes, you were confused looking around, but I guarantee they were more confused. I'm like, whose granddaughter is living in Are they being our, nice to her at least? I don't know. She did not. She went to TikTok to talk about her blunder and she shared it. Uh, it's a clip of her browsing for apartments on her laptop. And then she posts a picture in front of a sign which reads senior citizen apartments. <laughs> and the picture is, I realize I just moved myself into a retirement home. Yeah. <laughs> when are she staying? Or what if the letter stay? I don't know. They're going to kick her out. They've got to, especially now that this whole thing has gone super viral. So I don't know. Anyway. Some of these old guys might be really happy she moved in. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <I'm kidding. laughs> um, we're going to move to the corner of Belgium and French, the, the border. Uh, there's a farmer in Belgium. And he has a, he's driving his a tractor around and he, there's a huge stone in the middle of his field and he got super irritated. And so he just moved it. Well then, and it's in a, a like a end of his property and like kind of bordering on a forest. Well, another person was walking in the forest and noticed the stone had been moved. And the guy walking in the forest was a history buff. And he, he knew that wasn't just any stone. It is actually the marker that is the boundary between the two countries. <laughs> so this guy on his tractor drives around and made Belgium bigger and France smaller. And apparently that is not a good idea. Um, the mayor said, I was very happy my town was bigger. But the mayor of the town in France did not agree. And if he doesn't move it, but this stone was placed in 1819. Okay. <laughs> France and Belgium share a 390 mile border, which was established under an 1820 treaty 
after Napoleon's defeat. Okay, like <laughs> this stone is a really big deal, and you can't just move it. Apparently, Belgium authorities, Belgian authorities, plan on simply contacting the farmer and asking him to return the stone. But if he doesn't, the foreign ministry has to open a Franco-Belgian border commission, something that hasn't happened since 1930, and the <laughs> farmer could face criminal charges if he does not comply. I think there needs to be a plaque on that stone. I really do. Right? <laughs> like, like four corners up in the... You know, it just needs a corner. plaque, you know, one of those circles with the X that says, do not move. Yeah, oh, yeah. don't. Yeah. Don't touch this. This is kind of a big deal. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Uh, Again, I don't reveal who sends me what stories because I don't want to talk about where you guys are getting your news or why you're clicking on stories with the title of, okay, this is the article title. I'm going to give it all away, but that's okay. A man was hospitalized after the porta potty he was using at the historic Gettysburg battlefield was crushed by a tree. Oh That's my God. Right. This poor guy <laughs> is in the. Okay. Let me go ahead and tell you. Okay. Just, what kind of luck do you have to have for that to happen, first of all? <laughs> let me just, you know, I need everybody to sit down and get a pen and a piece of paper and write this down. If you're in a storm that has high winds, don't go into a porta potty. I don't care where you are. Jamie, when you got to go, mean, you got to go. You're in a forest, just pee in the tree or poop in the, I don't dig a hole. I don't, I'm not going in a porta potty in high winds. Well, he was um, at the site of the little round top battlefield site. I've been there. Yeah. And, and he had, he had to go and apparently there's porta potties, but it was, uh, oh, it was pretty windy. And he walks inside the porta potty and a tree falls on the porta potty because he went to use a porta potty in high wind. I'd be more concerned that the porta potty would blow over, but apparently not. Uh, they were more concerned about uh, the trees falling them. So uh, they had to call firefighters respond to come um, to come and cut him out of the porta potty. He was um, transported to the hospital with injuries, not considered life threatening. But I think that the story of you getting in a porta potty and having a tree fall on it, you're gonna you're gonna have that. Can for I life. ask? Did they make him ride on top of the ambulance? Because you know, he <laughs> probably didn't smell really good. There's all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm just thinking that they probably had to ride on the ambulance. That's what I'm thinking. Right. Do you Two think the porta ones, potty yeah. ended up saving his life? I, I I didn't read that far. I just I stopped at the title. <laughs> One more. I got two more quick two ones. More. Okay, we're gonna go to Michigan this time, Lodi Township, because there's a man who's having a property line dispute with his neighbors, and uh, it's not like moving a stone. He decided to make a wall himself. Uh, he's a cattle farmer. And so what he did was he took his tractor and he made a 250 foot long wall of poop. <laughs> so he took all the cow poop. He said it's normally spread out on the farmer's field next door. He owns the adjacent property. They kind of farm together. But on the other side, he scooped up all the poop and piled it in between his house and his neighbor's house. That is awesome. Apparently, the house and the property line that it's, um, is he made a poop wall? Uh, actually the, the authorities called it a poop wall. He's saying, no, it's not a poop wall. It's a compost fence. <laughs> so whatever you need to do to tell yourself that you're not a big fat jerk. <laughs> but that's all. Did it work? Uh, uh it, it's, it's currently, uh, under investigation. I bet, <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> That's funny. Last All right. A lot, one one more? more? Okay. And I, I, point, I brought this one to the table. I found this one myself. Uh, and I felt like I should share it with all of you because I know that there's a lot of fellow chicken ladies and gentlemen that listen to the show. All of us that love our chickens and our gentle birds. And we love watching them peck around. And there's one of my chickens. His name is Jumper because her name is Jumper and just Lucas raised, hand raised her. If you are sitting down, she will jump in your lap um, and she will sit on the ranger. She drives on the ranger with me. Her name is Jumper. She's amazing. And I find it very cathartic to have a friendly chicken. Uh, so there is a, a, a spike that is happening during this pandemic. And um, 
and and we're gonna go to to Connecticut and hold on this stupid thing just I don't want to put my email address in to continue reading. No, okay. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> I just stopped the whole story. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, um, the thing you can do now, and my, my mother in law is walking in the house right now uh, without announcing her arrival, just coming on in. Uh, but the point is that she loves this too. Um, it is a rent a chicken. For the pandemic, it, it, people are snuggling with chickens to calm themselves down, and you can rent out your chickens to make them uh, friendly for the like to to give people therapy. Apparently, there's a very high demand um, th- that people are renting chickens out. You can rent one of their chickens, take it home, snuggle with it. This farm in Connecticut, the Connecticut Renahen, has already rented out 180 available hens as of April of this year. And they have a waiting list of 80 families. 80 you could families. Make an, you could make a, a lot of extra money doing this, Jamie. I certainly could. I certainly Although could. you're in Oklahoma, it's probably not as big a demand. Uh, <laughs> Connecticut. Everybody has chickens where you live. Uh, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Maybe it's what uh, you could do with your roosters that are a problem. Rent, them out. rent a rooster. That sounds better. <laughs> yeah. It it's does. alliteration. It sounds good. You know, yeah. I love alliteration. Yeah. Okay. Rent a roo. There's about 12 jokes there that I just left go. <laughs> <laughs> rent a go. No, no, yes. no, no, no. Let's I leave know. those go. All right. I let's get to it. Zeus. We all want to know what the heck happened when you uh, took Zeus, your Mustang, in for his whole body scan thing. Can I? I can't say a bad word. Okay. Have you ever heard this? The, the, the saying, well, he went around his elbow to get to his a-hole. To, to, okay, yes, to, yes, go, yes. to go around your elbow yes. to get to your butthole. That is the pretty much the existence that I am living with this horse. Okay, so Zeus has been, uh, he had done some laminitis. He had done a tendon. He's kind of done a lot of things to himself. Um, but I've also taken him all the way up to novice level of eventing and he's super fun to trail ride and he's started now buck trying to buck me off when i ride him like going forward he won't move he tries to buck me off he not like buck me off like violently but like crow hopping and all these things just very clearly telling me that he's uncomfortable yet being a mustang he will not limp he uh, it's like ingrained in him because in the mustang world if you think about it if they limp they, they get, get eaten. eaten yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> So you never want to show pain. You don't want to be the, the slowest three, one in the pack. <laughs> yeah, the three, like when, when Zeus had laminitis, he would only, uh, he started bucking after jumps. And I was like, okay, something's wrong. Acupuncture, they were like, his front feet hurt. And then we took x-rays and I'm like, oh yeah. Then um, it, the tendon, he tore a piece of his tendon and he never was lame. I just happened to notice a little swelling on the inside of his tendon. And I'm like, okay, he's a jerk. Somebody come ultrasound back him out. Yeah, he tore his tendon. So like not even in that would he tell me something's wrong. So I know something's wrong. So I found a, my, so my vet is like, I don't, there's nothing wrong with him. You know, it's, we've done acupuncture, chiropractic, all the things. There's nothing wrong with him. So you need to take him to this clinic uh, in, uh, it's called in Edmond, Oklahoma and do the lameness locator. And that's, I, I didn't know what that was. So here, it, here's the thing. Apparently we've done shows on it before on other shows, but I didn't know. So I get there and they put like an electrode thing. They stick it like right on his sacrum, his croup, right at the top of the highest point of his butt, uh, in the back. And then they tie, they Velcroed something around his front leg and it's like a, a measuring electrode. And then they put this, uh, it was like a like a head bumper for when you trailer load, but it go it, or like a what are those like a bonnet yeah, around the yeah. halter, yeah. <clears throat> and okay. that had an electrode on it too. Okay. So we got one on his front right, one on his head, and one in his rump. And they're like, okay, what's this going to do? Is going to detect abnormalities in his gait. So we flex it. Uh, we the vet flexes him, and he trots off, and Zeus trots off fine. But the electrode said, oh, I see something is a little discomfort in his stifle, but you can't flex the stifle without flexing the hocks. So he's like, well, let's do the hocks next. So he flexes the hocks. The horse, Zeus trots off fine. But there's a spike in the on the app that says, yeah, his hock is sore. He's like, you know what we're going to do? We are going to block out the stifle and then flex and see what happens. So he blocks out the stifle. 
I was at this clinic for three hours, Glenn. Three hours. <laughs> Zeus stood at like an eight. Oh, he, he was good? so good. He was, he was good? so yeah. good. Almost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he still had to be a hashtag damn Zeus. I'll get to that. So they fl- they block out the stifle. He flexes. He trots off. He's fine. Okay, no, the app says he's lame. You know what we're going to do is we're going to block out the, the hawk and see if he trots off fine still. Well, this kind of makes sense. The- just eliminate one thing at a time, right? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of how you do it. But uh, the, he blocks out the hawk and Zeus trots out and it's fine. Okay, so we've determined... He has hawk pain. At this point, you know they're waiting basically for the hawk to um, uh, to get numb right before we flex him. And so we're standing outside on the little jog strip that they use. And um, now this equipment that he is wearing has to be a hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. I mean, it's connected to an app. It's it's it is a very expensive piece of equipment. And, um, she's holding him and, and Abby had said, just so you know, he's a little naughty, you know? And I was like, yeah, he's, but he's being so good. They're just like, love it. He's so pretty. He's so pretty. And Zeus at that moment reaches down <laughs> oh, no. with his teeth, grabs the thing around his front ankle, a sensor and rips it off. The Velcro flies open <laughs> and I see this little box, Glenn, go flying oh, across no. the parking lot. All right. Let me just add up your bill now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. The tech goes running after trying, trying to find it. And the vet comes out. and They're like tapping on it and tapping on it. He's ripped the actual like piece of um the 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 cloth that goes around saying that's done and they pick this little bat it, it's like the size of like a lithium battery or something i don't know it's got microchips in it and all the things and it went flying across the parking lot well <laughs> he picks she picks it up and she comes back over and they're all like hovering around this little thing and he's just like hey you know it's not food and they're like hitting the buttons on it trying to reset okay oh oh, okay the the light came back on the light came back on Okay, we're good. So they have to go in and get another wrap thing to put it into and put it around his front leg. And now they're holding his head like <laughs> with a death grip. <laughs> so just so you know, it did not all go super smooth. So uh, they checked. They did they have to put down. a cone of shame on him? <laughs> I know, right? I needed one. Uh, so, so all of that, all of that, Glenn, guess what he needed? His hawks injected. That was what it was. Like mother of God, uh, the front? I, Abby. Abby said uh, Joey's had his hocks done, and all he did was he was a little like sore behind, and we flexed him, and then we injected him, and I was like, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's not supposed to be like this. It's for not supposed your to cost five thousand dollars to get to that point. <laughs> Do you know hawk injections at this clinic cost two hundred and ten dollars, Glenn? Ooh, and how many hocks did my... you need injected? Two. Two hundred ten. Okay. It was like one hundred and five dollars a piece because they didn't do the HA and the joint stuff. They just did the the stuff to get the yeah. They didn't do the crazy expensive ones, but it should be to uh, and the bill. I get the two hundred and ten dollar hawk injections, and I'm like, well, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, my bill was eight hundred and seventy. Whoa! <laughs> and how much was the little thing you broke? They did. I did not break. Okay, <laughs> it was fine. It just took a trip in the parking lot rapidly through the air um yeah so that's why i said i went around my elbow to get to my butthole because like (laughs) that's not how hawk injections are supposed to be you're supposed to see the lameness in the hawk when you flex it and then go oh obviously he needs hawk injections not my horse (laughs) not my horse now here's the good well the good is it's less than the thousand dollars i predicted that's one thing well, that was the whole thing was it's supposed to be a thousand dollar. You know, I, I told Chad, I'm like, if I get another horse from horse and hound, it's it's a thousand dollars. So I'm like, if we do the lameness exam and it's under a thousand dollars, Chad, it's like it's free. Okay. Because I didn't spend a thousand dollars in the horse. I spent less than that to get my already awesome horse sound. So, um, I seem a little salty. I am. And have you ever, like, he's a Mustang. He will eat anything on the ground, anything. 
this uh, this horse will eat tumbleweeds as they're blowing by. He will grab them. He will eat moldy hay that has been sitting underneath the round bale, and you mo- you're trying to scrape it all up, and he's like eating it as it's moving. Do you think that horse will put his face near a grim of butte that's in his food? <laughs> Hell to the no, okay? I'm supposed to be giving him two grams of butte in the morning for three days and all that. Oh, my God. He is like, F, you and your butte. And so I'm like, he eats like triple crown lights. I'm like, let me mix it up with some senior feed that's like delicious. Nope. Okay. I'm going to put some water and some like super syrupy stuff in it. And like, nope. No, he no. Yeah, Jennifer had to go to the syringe with the applesauce deal. Well, I did have to buy. I bought some of the the the, the squish butte, you know, that yeah. you can just the tube, and I'm doing the two grams. You would think my little Mustang, who has been with me for six years, was wild again. He's like, do not. And so, of course, I'm like, I, I'm scrambling trying to get this butte in. And so I, I pull the, with my teeth, I pull the cap off, you know. <laughs> butte squirts into my mouth yesterday, and it is laced with um, peppermint oil. So <laughs> my lips are burning. They're covered in butte. I have butte in my mouth. I'm spitting, like, white goo out. Uh, the two grams went into my mouth. I had to, like, wheel down two more grams after my whole mouth is on fire because there's peppermint oil all over my face. <laughs> just for damn hawk injections, Glenn. <laughs> and how often just do we have to have that $800 hawk injection done? Well, there will not be $800 <laughs> hawk injections done again. I told this guy, I told the vet, I was like, listen, all I need is this horse to be sound for one more year. One <laughs> year. Just give me a year. And he was like, well, whatever. You're going to want him to be sound for longer after that. And I was like, no, no, no. No, I have two really nice two-year-olds that are really (laughs) easy and lovely. One's in Oldenburg and one's in Andalusian. They will be fine. They will be lovely. Just get me this horse for a year. (laughs) I just want a year. I just want a horse to ride. I just, I have all these horses and I can't ride any of them. So, uh, yeah. I'm serious about how often are you supposed to have hawk injections? You know, when I worked for a vet, and by the way, those uh, talking about hawk injections, injecting joints, hawk injections, if their joints fuse, they don't do the highest motion. They do the tiny little joints underneath. If they fuse, actually the horse goes down. So you're not, I'm not putting uh, steroids into a high motion, high weight bearing joint. It's just a, a hawk injection. And they're really not um, detrimental at all because, I mean, he's not sound anyway. So uh, it's I, I, there's no long-term negative effects of hawk injections. So the vet that I worked for in Atlanta, uh, a lameness guy, um, he would say that the hawk injections last as long as your patients, because like you, you have a horse that's a jerk bucking all this thing. And then he starts, once he gets his hawk injections, he starts going really, really good. Oh, really, really better. good. Oh, yeah. God, feels so good. He's amazing. And then once those start to wear off, you start to get greedy. You're like, I want him to feel good again. So do it again. So the hawk injections last as long as you last. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, you know what? I want to get him back to that again. So then you do it again. So, you know, the idea was that you do hawk injections on a horse once a year, but if you start to get a little more demanding and you want them done, you know, like I'm sure Jessica Phoenix has to do hawk injections on her 19 year old event horse, probably every four or five months, you know, who knows? I'm, I'm guessing I'm putting, I'm just guessing that, but, um, so hopefully this will last us the year, but if not now I know straight and how, long, go. how long, how long do you have to wait before you know if it's worked? Uh, the injections maximize in two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. That's so as he said, give him three, be of him yesterday off and I can start riding him today, but don't have high expectations for a couple of weeks. And then once that the infl- inflammation is gone, I mean, usually you put a joint into that, a needle into that joint and some fluid will leak out. And that's, that's normal. There was nothing in his hocks. They're dry as a bone, Ugh. which is like, Ugh. it's like sandpaper like, on sandpaper. Why yeah. you lame a long time ago? Why? <laughs> so the good news is it's only hawk injections. That's the good news. The, the, and it's not like, 
some sacrum problem or some back kissing spines, all the, the awful things, not another bout of laminitis or anything like that. So that's the good news. Uh, the bad news is I just paid $800 for Hawk injections, like <laughs> the diagnostics. And by and, the way, those and of you saying an Hawk entire day. Let's throw yeah, that in. An entire yeah. day. Yeah. Those of you saying, oh, Hawk injections are expensive. You're in California. I'm in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. Put that all together. $800 <laughs> Oklahoma vet bill. That's pretty nice. Pretty <laughs> nice. And how was Chad about all of this? You know what? Here's the thing. All of my horse stuff I, it comes from my business. So like all, I had to work, I had to train a horse for an entire month to get my horse's hawk injections. <laughs> you know? so it's not you like, can't look at it like that. It's too depressing. <laughs> I know. I know. It's really depressing. But the thing is, Chad, he's like, okay, cool. Like, I mean, he hates Zeus. Let's be honest. He hates that horse. Like he's like, it's <laughs> he's the, always the biggest hate, and that's because of his breakout thing. You know, he's, he's a Houdini. He yeah. and, and I got to tell you now, Zeus pisses me off because <laughs> I go down to feed and he's in one pasture and there's a, like a, a metal gate that is there. And Zeus, now when I walk down, he starts pawing on the, like banging on the gate so loud. Oh, and that's it's annoying like, too. I, yeah. <laughs> Faster. One of our neighbor Faster. horses does that. Yeah. God. So and then my dog barks. She's like, stop bringing it. So it's like dog barking and horse banging on the fence. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not working fast <laughs> enough for you. Zeus. God. Anyway. So the good news is only hawk injections. The bad news is I paid. You know, the ironic part is we did an episode yesterday on Mustangs and how lovely they are. So there you go. <laughs> I got to tell you, the update on Thor is he's the love of their life. And they've since, since Thor gotten two more Mustangs. Thor was my first oh, Mustang I ever got. And the, yeah. life is perfect for him. And the other Mustang that I uh, started, um, Precious Magic Gallup Jennings, she lives in San Diego and she belongs to a little girl. And they try, she's like the greatest pony of all time. So two out of three. I'm batting six. Well, you got six. Zeus just so we'd have material for the show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He's You're still so for sale. If anybody is interested, <laughs> he just will need hawk injections every uh, year or so. Just He's add there. that to the list of his exciting personality. Fun. <laughs> you should. You should really now. Remember, years ago we wrote an ad for him for sale. You need to rewrite that ad now. We could add a whole bunch of stuff to that. It's sheer frustration at this point. <laughs> it is sheer frustration. I I actually said to the vet. Now I asked him to come on the show and talk, and he was pretty not okay with that. Uh, <laughs> like I was like, Hey, uh, this is a weird question. Do you mind coming on my show and talking about Zeus and the lameness exam and all that? And I, I think that probably one of the biggest reasons he said no was the fact that it took that long for us to diagnose Hawk pain. Like, <laughs> that's gotta be embarrassing, but it is, he's that much of a challenge. He, even after flexions, he was fine, but the computer was like, no, he's not fine. He's not fine. So Blah. But the good news, I'll keep you guys posted on how he's going because, like I said, I just want a horse I can take to little shows and 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 ride around and go with my friends. I'm always the person on the ground because I'm the one starting horses and starting racehorses and everybody else and sending has them to, away. <laughs> yeah. Sending them away once they're perfect, they leave. So it's kind of tough. So we'll see. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks to our sponsors as well. We had State Line Tech and also Equiderma. We appreciate write them sponsoring this Zeus, show. Because when I talk about them on the show, can I write all this stuff off? I think I, just I think about? you can. I, you know, I don't know about <laughs> how the IRS agent will feel, but <laughs> you, you know what, Glenn said it's okay. Glenn said it's on. all right, and he knows a lot about taxes. That guy. Uh, yeah, that's that's guy you want to go to. Yeah. Thanks everybody for joining us. Tomorrow is the driving show. We have a very interesting show for you tomorrow on driving. We're going to talk about brownies and how brownies were invented. And yes, it has a relationship to carriages. So that's on tomorrow's show. And then Friday's really bad ads. We're giving away our auditor box of crap and we're announcing $500 in new prizes for next month. So you definitely want to get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. And if you want to follow all the adventures of Zeus and all the other horses at Jamie's Magical Farm, you can find it at... Flyover Farm on Facebook. Search Flyover Farm Jamie Jennings and it should come up. I so wish you had named it Jamie's Magical Farm. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a curse. Bay Nitter Geld, everybody. 